Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Listen, I have a couple things I want to tell you. Uh, first, um, let me just say uh, that um, we have been working uh, kind of diligently, I have, to find uh, I always like to, when we're doing our Christmas thing every year, I like to allow God to speak to, to, to me and to really see where is it that we want to land as far as some, doing something special for the community. Uh, we always like to be part of the community, but Christmas is extra special, and so I like to do that. And so I do want to tell you, Lynn, if you'll go ahead and throw that up there, um, we actually are going to partner with the school here, uh, and we are going to have what we are calling Christmas Kicks for Kids. All right, and this is really cool. Christmas kicks for kids, and here's what it is. Um, we have uh, an organization, I-58 Mission, who you guys have all heard from before. Uh, they're in Sonoy. They're a great organization. They literally minister to hundreds of people a week. They give them food. They give them clothing. They give them, help them find shelter if need be. They help them find beds and furniture and whatever they need to kind of get back on their feet. Well, as part of that mission, there is, there is well over 100 children um, and they have actually located 100 children that are in need um, of shoes uh, to start the new year off in a new pair of shoes. And so we have now their Christmas is being taken care of by other organizations, but we have committed. I have committed us. So it's on us. Um, we are going to provide 100 new pair of shoes for children. Um, people think we can, you guys think we can do that. I think we can do it, too. Isn't that great? Y'all can clap. Go ahead. That's good stuff. And um, so, so this week we're going to have some logistical things going on. On the, on the 29th, uh, the, the weekend after Thanksgiving, you're going to have, they're going to, there's going to be a Christmas tree set up out there. And there will be tags. You can grab those tags. Now, let me say something about the, about the shoes, okay? When I was in, when I was in, in uh, elementary school, uh, my mom took me to Fred's dollar store. Um, and I got what I called Fred's Kids, all right? Fred's Kids. Uh, they were blue, and they had three white stripes down the side. Is everybody with me? All right. That was, I wasn't cool enough to have the Velcro thing. All right. I wasn't that cool. But I had what's called Fred's Kids. Uh, and so we are not doing Fred's Kids. All right. That's not what we're doing. All right. What we're going to do is, is we're going we're gonna to do Under Armour and Nike. And we're gonna, what we're going to do is, is we're going to show these kids that, that God wants the best for them. All right. He wants the best for them. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and spend $200 on a pair of shoes, but I am telling you to drop 40 or 50 bucks. Surely we can do that, right? That's 100 That's 100 I'm thinking if they're 50 bucks, that's five grand that we need to do this with. We're going to open this up to our school as well for the parents and grandparents to go ahead and do that as well. And so Christmas Kicks for Kids is what we're doing. Does everybody like it? Everybody with us? Listen, that's what we're going to do, and we're going to send kids back to school with some, with some new shoes. Uh, there's also, if you just want to give a donation, that's totally fine, too. In about a week, uh, whenever we launch, actually, the 29th, we'll have a, a, a link on our website where you can go and you can click that link. We'll also promote it in our social media things. You can, you can click that link. And you can actually hit the link and make a donation specifically for that. It'll go straight to us. We'll put it straight to that. And then we'll get to go out and do the fun shopping instead of y'all. So uh, it's totally up to you. But we've committed to doing 100, 100 pairs of shoes for kids that are in need. These are genuine needs. These are not, these are not uh, needs that these people are vetted. I just want to let you guys know that they're vetted. They are, it's, these are genuine needs in our community. 
Uh, they have relationships with these people. They follow these people not just for a day, not just for a week, not just for a month, but they literally follow these people year after year, and they minister to them. And some of us have actually been out there to do that. We've made some great donations to I-58. We do, we do monthly uh, bumper bags for I-58, and we also this year are going to do 100 pairs of shoes, uh, tennis shoes, for, uh, for the children that are in need out there. All right, I wanted to tell you guys that. Listen, let's go ahead and dive into dive in the message today. I want to remind you what we're here for. The reason you got up this morning instead of staying in the bed and the reason why there's people right now that are watching online, and thank you guys so much for watching uh, us online uh, during this crazy COVID time. But the reason we're here is we want to help others, and we want to do it too. We want to help others, and we ourselves want to experience God in real life. That's why we're here, all right? That's what we want. And so... In order to do that, you have to open up the Word, and you have to look at the Word, and you have to read the Word, and you have to understand the backgrounds, but then you have to be able to say, you know what, God, where does this apply to my life? And that's what I want to do today. It's kind of worthless for you guys to come and hear a sermon today, and then leave, and next week hear another sermon, but nothing affects your daily walk, okay? And if that's the case, then something's missing in your life, and come hang out with me and talk to me, and I'd love to sit down with you, because I want you to experience God in real life. I don't want you to waste this time. And so let's do that today. I want to set a reminder for you. Reminder this, the people are under persecution. The people, we're in the book of Hebrews, by the way, the book of Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to go ahead and turn there. The people are under persecution, and they're so heavily persecuted that they're considering going back to their old way of life. They're considering literally going back to their Jewish way of life that they, at this point right now, seems like it may be a better way to live. And so they're considering doing that. We have heard that their faith has been tested. And then what we see the author doing from chapter 1 all the way up to chapter 10 right now is saying this, Jesus is greater than blank. Jesus is greater than blank. We heard that, uh, we heard that they wanted to go back to their, their, their roots. We heard also that, that the re, one of the reasons Jesus is greater is because he's in the order of Melchizedek, where he's not just a priest, he's also a king. He's a priest and a king, just like Melchizedek was in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. In addition to that, we also looked at, is it, is it uh, you know, that the old law was just a copy. It was just a copy of what Christ, what, 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 what God did through Christ. It was a copy, and so it was kind of a cheap knockoff, are you with me, of, of what God was doing uh, through Jesus, uh, where, where, you know, and I showed you some funny things like uh, Boreos instead of Oreos, and Spider-Man instead of Spider-Man, okay, these, these cheap knockoffs that weren't the genuine thing, and we had to understand that when Christ came, he brought that genuine thing, and then last week, we decided, and we looked at what he was talking about, and said, hey, listen, Jesus' sacrifice actually took us from having limited, limited membership to full membership. Limited or partial access to full access to what God was doing. And so this week, we're talking about an exciting thing. The covenant. Now let me say something. Some of you guys didn't have enough coffee anyway because the worship, worship was pretty good, but everybody's like, let us become more aware of your presence, all right? We were a little boring, all right? And so I was sitting back there going, what in the world am I going to do to teach the covenant to these people? So in order to teach the covenant, I'm going to need about 30 minutes to explain the covenants, 
okay? Lucky for you, though, that I have resources, and so I found a five-minute video that's going to explain the covenants for you very quickly so we can get on with the message, all right? These are the cliff notes of the covenant, and it's a really good video, by the way. Lynn, do you have that? Let's roll. If you've been around Christians, you've probably heard of the idea of having a personal relationship with God, which could mean different things in the Bible, like having God as a friend, or your father, or maybe your teacher. But there's one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over. But strangely, we don't talk about it that much, and that's the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right, and this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential. And then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. And so this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have bailed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So what God does is select a smaller group of people out of the many. And he makes a new partnership with them called a covenant. And in a covenant, God makes promises, and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody else. Now, there are actually four times in the Old Testament that we're told God initiates a covenant relationship with Noah, Abraham, the nation of Israel, and King David. And it's through these that God is forming a covenant family into which all people will eventually be invited. So let's see how these work. The first one is with Noah. So in this story, God has just brought the flood to cleanse the world of humanity's corruption. And Noah and his family are the only ones left. And so God makes a covenant with Noah, saying, Listen, I know that humans will continue to be evil, but despite that, I'm not going to destroy it like this again. Instead, the earth will be this reliable place for us to work together. Great. So what does Noah have to do? Nothing. And that's what's so interesting about this first covenant is that God is promising to be faithful even though he knows humans won't be. The next time we see God make a covenant is with a man named Abraham. God chooses him, promises to bless him, give him a large family, lots of land where they can flourish. And in return, God asks Abraham to trust him and train up his family to do what is right and just. And the whole reason for this covenant is God says that somehow he's going to bring his blessing to all families of the world through this one family. So that's Abraham. The next time we see God make a covenant is when Abraham's family grows into the tribe of Israel. And this covenant is with the whole tribe. God asks them to obey a set of laws, which are these guidelines for living well as a community of God's partners. And if they do this, then God promises to bless them and that they will become a people who then represent him to the rest of humanity. That's the covenant with Israel. The last covenant is with King David. Yeah, the tribe of Israel has become this large nation ruled by David. And God asked David and his descendants to partner with him by leading Israel in obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. And God promises that one day, one of David's sons will come and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessing over all the nations. So those are the four covenants that God makes in order to restore his partnership with the whole world. But here's what happens. Israel breaks the covenant. 
they worship other gods, they allow horrible injustice, and so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. So it seems hopeless. But during this time, Israel's prophets talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure, somehow. Yeah, they called it the New Covenant. And this is actually what's so interesting about Jesus, is that he's introduced into this story as the one who fulfills all of these covenant relationships. We're told that he's from the family of Abraham, and so he will bring the blessings of that family to the whole world. We're told that he's the faithful Israelite who is able to truly obey the law. And we're told that he's the king from the line of David. And so he goes about extending God's kingdom of justice and peace to all. That's really remarkable for one guy. Yeah, and what it highlights is perhaps the most surprising claim of all made about this man. That Jesus is no mere human, but rather God become human. And God did this in order to be that faithful covenant partner that we are all made to be, but have failed to be. And so through Jesus, God has opened up a way for anyone to be in a renewed partnership with him. So Jesus calls people to follow him and become part of this new covenant family. And despite their failures, Jesus is committed to making them into partners who are becoming more and more faithful. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a fully renewed world, full of goodness and peace. And there's this renewed humanity there, partnering together with God to expand the goodness of his creation. And so the end of the Bible story is really a new beginning. All right. You guys understand covenant now a little bit better? Good. Let me play it again. All right. So, with that in mind, with the differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, with the whole process that God used through a covenant relationship, with that in mind, let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 starts in verse 1, and it says this, The old system under the law, that is the old system under the law, that is the old covenant under the law of Moses was only a shadow. Now, we've already said this a couple of weeks ago. It was only a copy. It was only a shadow. It was a shadow, um, a dim preview of good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again. I want you to make sure you underline that or whatever you want to do, but that's important. They were repeated again and again, year after year. But here it is. They were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Those sacrifices had to be done year after year after year. Remember that because we're going to talk about that in a second. And they couldn't provide perfect cleansing. What is the perfect cleansing? Well, <clears throat> last week and the week before, we read in Hebrews 8 and 9 that, that it says, it says that, that those old laws could not cleanse the person from within, that it was Christ that could only cleanse the person from within. And we're going to see that. In a second, okay? If they could have provided the perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once and for all time. Remember that? You see that again? Once for what? All. He died once for all. We saw that last week and the week before. That it says in, in chapters 8 and chapter 9 that Jesus died once for all. So there was no longer a need for that continual, continual sacrifice. And then it says this, it says, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, 
those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year after year, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written in the, about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you do not want animal offerings or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, um, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels, I want you to hear that, he cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into the effect. For God's will was, uh, was for us to be made holy by what? Not by what we do, not by how we act, not by what we've done, but here it is. We were made holy because of the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for what? All, once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices over and over again, which can never be taken away, which can never take away sin. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin, good for, I didn't hear you, all time, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then he waits until the, his enemies are humbled and are made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Don't miss that. We're going to talk about that. He, he forever made perfect those that are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people. And on that day, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. I will never again remember it. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. The first thing I want to tell you is about a covenant, about the covenant that Jesus brought is this. And this is point one. The new cancels the old. I want you to hear that. Did you hear what I said earlier when it says that? It says, listen, by Jesus' sacrifice, the new, the new covenant cancels the old one. It cancels the old one. Let me tell you guys something. Whenever you, whenever you get a mortgage, all right, you get a mortgage. Uh, some of you may be lucky enough not to have a mortgage. I hate ours. I'm trying to pay it down, y'all. I want to get that sucker out of my life. But listen, when you have a mortgage, what you do is you get a stack of paper about the size of this stage to sign, okay? And here's what that stuff says, okay? It says all kinds of stuff, but here's what it says. It says, you commit to paying a certain amount every month at this interest rate for this long. And if you don't do that, here are the parameters around that. If you do that, if you are good and you do pay those things, then in this number of months or years, this is when this will be paid off. And after you pay it off, you then will get the deed and will therefore be the owner. Those things are called terms, okay? Those are the terms of the agreement. They're the terms of the agreement. 
I want you to get this. The terms, the terms when Jesus came all changed. The terms. Let me, let me tell you, a couple, you know, I, I guess it was like six or seven months ago, uh, Wendy, the interest rates kept falling and we were like, hey, we got to do something here. We can save some money. So we refinanced our mortgage. Okay, we refinanced our mortgage. And here's what we did. We refinanced our mortgage. Now, you guys know what refinancing a mortgage is, and I know what refinancing a mortgage is. How crazy would it be if you were to talk to me and you were to say, hey, man, how'd that refinance go? And I said, oh, man, it's going really great. I'm still paying. I'm still paying what the old mortgage company said. I'm still paying that, though, too. So, yeah, I'm doing that. You know what you would do? You'd go, wait, 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 wait. You're doing what now? You're, you're, paying, you're paying the old mortgage company, too. But wait a minute. I thought you refinanced. Because you know what refinancing does? Refinancing changes the terms of the agreement. It's what it does. It changes the terms of the agreement. The old mortgage is gone forever. The new terms are whatever terms that Wendy and I agreed on in a refinance, the percentage rate, the payment, the number of years, and on and on and on. Why is that? Well, whenever you make a new commitment, the old, the old goes away. And the same thing is true. The same thing is true with Christ. The same thing is true. When God's new covenant with his people canceled out the old covenant, it canceled out the old covenant. So what does that cancel out? Well, let me show you something here. Lynn's got this slide up here for us, and I hope you can see this. Linda, can we, do- can we knock these lights down so people can see it better? So here's what it says. Before Jesus, the- God's law was only written down, okay? You had to read and obey it perfectly. After Jesus, that was the old, that was the old mortgage, all right? That was the old covenant. But after God's law is written on our hearts, and the Holy Spirit helps us to remember and obey... The second one, to have your sins forgiven before Jesus, you had to offer sacrifices day after day and year after year. Can I tell you, it was great job security for the priest. All right, great job security. But we don't want that. Jesus' death after Jesus, Jesus' death forgave us our sins once and for what? All, once and for all. Before Jesus, a person was the high priest. He was the spiritual leader. He was the high priest. He was the one that could go into the Holy of Holies. After Jesus, who's the high priest? Well, we've already seen it. Jesus is the high priest. He's the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He's not just your spiritual leader. He's also your king. He's also your boss. Before Jesus, a person had access to God through the priest. Now everybody, all believers, have access to God. Why is that? Because we saw last week, whenever, whenever Jesus' sacrifice happened, the curtain was torn, not from the bottom to the top, but what? From the top to the bottom, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies away, the, the one that only the high priest could go in, that was ripped apart when Christ died. And then that opened up our access to God, but only access through who? Through Christ himself. Before Jesus, obedience was brought, uh, brought health and wealth in for life. After Jesus, uh, obey, obedience could possibly bring persecution uh, and will bring eternal life and treasures in heaven. So we'll bring eternal life and treasures in heaven, and we're going to talk about that 
in, in a second. I want to skip down. Uh, before Jesus, only a few people had the Holy Spirit's guidance. I don't know if you ever thought about that or not, but we see over and over again Holy Spirit coming upon someone and speaking to someone and guiding them, offered the directions that God wanted to go. But after, after Christ came, all that was opened up, and it was opened up not only to these great spiritual leaders or these prophets, it was also opened up to you, and it was opened up to me. Are you starting to see the difference between the old and the new? You see, when the old, when, when, when Jesus came, the old passed away. So when Jesus came, the new cancels the old. Just like it would be crazy for me to pay on that old mortgage. But some of us are doing that. Some of us are still trying to pay on that old mortgage because we're operating like there is still some strict, stringent law that we have to do in order to be, quote unquote, what we call good. And here's the thing. Here's the message of the Bible in the New Testament. There is no good. There's no good. There's no good. There's only grace for you and I. There's no good. Our, the best we can do is filthy rags. Here's the second point I want to make. Our sins are not only forgiven, this is important, they're also forgotten. I want you to hear that. So listen, up until about seven or eight years ago, I was, and I, I, I still kind of am, but I was really bad at buying gifts for, okay? I was really bad at buying gifts for. And so here's how the whole thing, you know, there's always this time whenever someone says, never again, not going to happen, it's over, I'm not moving one step forward, in this situation. So I wanted a new ring. Okay. I wanted a new ring uh, for Christmas. I wanted a new wedding ring for Christmas. I had literally y'all whenever we got married. I went down and you know Wendy had this beautiful ring. And I went down and they were like okay well what kind of ring would you like. We have this and this and this. And I said I want one step above a bottle cap. Whatever you got, the cheapest you got. I mean, I'm talking about, I was making a whopping $6.78 an hour, you guys. I literally, that's what I, I said, I don't care, I want it cheap. And they said, well, the cheapest we got is 50 bucks. I said, it's got my name written all over it, 50 bucks. That's me. And that's what I had. I had a $50 ring, okay, $50 ring. And I decided I wanted something a little nicer. Um, and so I was going to get this ring. I had asked for the ring. Wendy already knew what I wanted, you know, the wedding ring. It had to be comfortable because, you know, I kind of got tired. The old one, you know, after a while, it kind of wears on you and stuff. And I was like, I, I want something kind of, something, a little bit something nicer for this. She had had her, her, her wedding set redone and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, I'll get in on the action too. Why not? And so I ended up, I ended up getting, uh, I wanted to get this ring and I had it picked out. And I told her what I wanted. And she said, okay, don't, don't worry about it. I said, okay. So... I was out one day, and I saw the ring on sale about three and a half weeks before Christmas. And I bought the ring. It was on sale, y'all. I bought the ring. I called her, and I said, hey, you're not I was so excited. I was like, man, I got this thing like $50 off and I'm so stoked and we saved money and it was only going to be on sale for a limited time. And, and I called her and much to my dismay, she was not happy. She was very angry, actually. When, it takes a lot to get my wife angry. I have a spiritual gift of doing it, but most other people do not. But it takes a lot to get her angry. 
and she's very angry with me. Around about the same time, around about the same time, she also, there was something that she wanted to, something else she wanted to get me for Christmas. This was about a couple days later. I didn't leave well enough alone. And she bought me something, and I was checking our bank account, and I saw that she had bought it, and I knew that that was around that price for Christmas. This must be a surprise. And I called her, and I said, hey, while she was in the parking lot, by the way, of the store, hey, you can take that back because they've got it cheaper on Amazon for like $30, and so let's save money and let's do that. That moment was the never again moment for my wife. I promise you. She said, no, I'm not doing that. I don't care if it's cheaper. And we got into a discussion. You guys ever had those discussions? Yeah, we got into it. Preachers don't have arguments. They have discussions. Christian couples, we have discussions. Bullcrap, we got into a big old fight. All right? That's just the case. That's just what happened. So, so we got into a discussion. And um, so here's what we did. We, um, and I felt really bad about it after looking at her side. And we made some, one of the things we did, you guys, is one of the reasons we like, we like our bank, Delta, is that we can each have a little tiny account on the side. Like, we can each, like, transfer. And so we got the, she said, I want my own account. And I said, well, I know, but we're, we're one. She goes, I know we're one. All the money's going in there, but I want my own little account where I can spend whatever I want to spend. Just a little amount. I don't want a lot. I just want a little amount where I can buy you stuff and you don't know about it. I was like, what if you miss a sale? I don't care if I miss a sale. It's my money. I work. I just want a little tiny account. Not the main account. We operate off the main account. We're one. We make all the decisions together. But we have what we call fun money in our budget. And I have my own little account and Wendy has her own little fun money account. That way we keep it separate. And that's what we spend our little fun money on. Um, if you've been out to lunch with me, you know that that's my fun money account. Okay, I'll do the fun money account. So, and I apologized to her because I felt really bad. I did. And, and you know, I, a couple of days later, I said, eh, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I, I really feel bad about that. I really do. And I, I still feel a little bit bad about it, but not, not too much. But, uh, you know, because it's kind of funny now. Because we can laugh about it. Isn't it funny what you can laugh about like eight or nine years ago? She's laughing. I'm laughing. At the time, she literally wanted to strangle me. Literally, she wanted to kill me and watch me die slowly. I mean, literally, that's what happened. And so, but, but isn't it funny what we, can, what we can laugh about now? But um, what if I were to went back a couple days later and said, hey, listen, I want to tell you I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry to doing that. She just said, oh, okay, okay. And then a couple of days later, I went back, hey, listen, I just want to tell you, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry for doing that. You know, hey, I'm really, I'm really sorry. She just said, uh, okay, all right, you're forgiven, okay. And then a month or so later, I said, hey, you know, you know when I did that thing over Christmas and I got the ring and blah, 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 I want to tell you I'm really sorry about that. She just said, okay, you're sorry, okay. A couple months later, I said, hey, listen. I just want to tell you, I'm really sorry about that. You know what she'd have said? You're about to make me mad again. She'd have said, look, I didn't even remember that thing. Now, let me say something. It took a couple years for her not to remember it. Let me just say that, okay? But I didn't even remember what you're talking about. If I were to come up right now to her eight years later and say, hey, listen, 
The thing about the ring and everything, I just want to tell you, I'm really sorry. She looked at me like, why are you keep bringing this up? It's, it's over. It's forgotten. Move on. What I want to get you to understand is this. Under the old covenant, they couldn't do that. Because the sacrifice wasn't sufficient. Therefore, they had to continually come back over and over and over and over again. Are you with me? It wasn't sufficient. And so, Jesus comes and his sacrifice was once for all. He was the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The problem that we have is that we can't accept the greatness of Christ because we continue to play out our mistakes day after day when the scripture clearly tells us that it is not only forgiven, but it's forgotten. I will tell you, I think a lot of us bring things up to God that he has to say, wait a minute, I don't know, what, no, what, no, wait a minute. Because it's as far from east to west. He's forgotten them. You don't have to come every, can you imagine me having to go, well, I got to go, go kill a, kill a couple birds to go get forgiven for that ring I bought. Can you imagine having to do that over and over? That's the same thing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine it? At the time when he said, no, we're going to kill an animal, a goat. It ain't going to be a goat. It's going to be like a big old cow or something. We're going to get real here. But can you imagine that? Yet year after year, mistakes you and I have made, we hold on to those things when God's already forgiven them and forgotten them. And the enemy makes us stay in that. And I want to tell you that, like Hebrews says, you don't have to keep coming over and over again. See, the author says they had to come back year after year. Again, year after year, but they were never able to provide the perfect cleansing to those who came to worship. And here's what it says, and I love this. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time with Christ, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared when Christ came with his sacrifice. Your feelings of guilt were supposed to disappear. And yet we have them over and over again. Here's the third thing. It's an internal, not an external thing. It's an internal, not an external thing. Here's what Hebrews 10.16 says. Hebrews 10.16, and we read it. It says, this new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put, I will put, my laws, where at? In their hearts. Is it on a stone, stone tablet somewhere? No. No, it's not. Is there a list of rules and regulations that you have to follow to be good? No. No. He's going to put it on your hearts. And that's where he's put it. He's put it on your hearts and he's put it on my hearts. Whenever I was doing student ministry, we had a, a rule. We had a new worship guy come in and he was going to do the, do the worship team. And I was like, great, man, it's going to be fantastic. And he set up this new rule. And the new rule was this. He said, listen, I don't want people on stage that aren't saved, that aren't saved. Now, on its face, that looks like a great rule, right? Of course you don't want people up there leading worship who aren't saved. You don't want people up there leading worship that, that don't know Jesus and singing Christ, you know, songs to Christ and leading worship. You don't want that. It's a good rule. It's a good rule for an adult praise band. It may or may not be a good rule for a youth praise band. Who knows? Here's the problem, though. 
The problem is, is this. There was a kid there. There was a kid there that came, and he started. He, he was a drummer, and he started playing, okay? And here's the situation. We fell in love with this kid. He was a great kid from a great home. Like he, he was, he was a great, he was just a great person. He actually wasn't from a great home, to be honest with you. He was, he was actually from a really bad home. But he was a great kid who wanted better for his life. And about six months into it, the worship leader found out that he wasn't saved. And he was still struggling with God and struggling with all those kind of things. And so all of a sudden we have a decision to make. What do we do? What do we do? Do we go by the letter of the law that we've created? Or do we go with our heart? And we know what we know is written on our heart. Can I tell you what we did? We went with the heart. You see, it's easy to judge other people. And I tell people this all the time. It's easy to judge other people until you fall in love. You do have a deep love for the prostitute who is who was there. Or you have a deep love for the lady, uh, you know, who, who, who was caught in adultery. Or you have a deep love for the lady at the well. Or you have a deep love for Zacchaeus up in a tree. And I could go on and on and on. That's the difference. That's the difference. It has to be not only it's an internal thing, not an external thing. True change, you guys, has to be internal. It is. I want to tell you this. Discipline, discipline is an incredible thing. But I want to tell you this. External obedience doesn't always equal internal growth. I want you to hear that. External obedience doesn't always equal internal growth. Because sometimes you can just keep doing the external and your internal is dying. I've said this a million times. The worst thing in the world is a 75-year-old baby Christian who thought all their life because they kept these rules that they were holy. Yet they weren't because they never allowed it to impact their hearts. Here's the final thing, and I'll leave you with this. Perfect later, strive for holiness now. Perfect later, strive for holiness now. And we'll go over this really quickly. Hebrews ten fourteen says, For by that one offering he forever made Perfect. This is an interesting sentence. Interesting text. He forever made perfect those, what does it say? Who are being made holy. So what is going on here? Well, here's what's going on. Christ, when you accepted Christ, at that moment, I want you to hear that. At that moment, you were forever made perfect. Where at? In heaven. Your eternal destination was sealed. You, were for, you will experience, if you, if you accept a Christ, you will experience a perfection in heaven. You will experience that. Now, a lot of people get confused between salvation and sanctification. Salvation is what you get the moment, the moment you accept Christ. That salvation, he saved you from what? He saved you from eternal damnation. He saved you from a life of sin. He saved you from those things. And that salvation is what happened the moment, the moment you accept Christ. Sanctification is the process between the moment you accept Christ and the moment you meet Him face to face. 
and that sanctification. That's why it says they, made, they were made perfect. By, and and those, those who were being, he said, it says, for by that one offering he forever made perfect. Those who are being, not who were made, who were being made what? Holiness. That means holiness is a process. So you are perfect later, but you're striving for holiness now. And that is the whole premise behind the new covenant. What does that mean for you and me? It means that if you live your life constantly trying to be perfect and trying to be the perfect good Christian, you're going to fail. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. The reason you have Holy Spirit, the reason Holy Spirit is now available to you. You know, you guys know when you screw up something, you know, you screw something up spiritually and you screw something up in your life or you say something you shouldn't say. And inside of you, you're, there's like this, there's like this, you know, it's uneasiness. There's no peace. That, that's Holy Spirit within you, speaking to you and drawing you toward holiness. Your choice is to say, I'm going to continue this process or because I'm not perfect, I'm going to quit. The people in Hebrews were considering quitting. And the author of Hebrews is saying, no, you don't get it. You don't get it. You were made perfect later. We're in the process of holiness right now. There's a difference between salvation and sanctification. Jesus brought this new covenant, and here's what I want to encourage you guys to do. Embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace it. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for the new covenant. Thank you so much for the covenant that, that is, is, gosh, it's such, it's such a better deal. It's such a better system. It's such a more freeing system. It's such a system that we can embrace. It's such a system that we can, um, that gosh, just it, it grows us, but it doesn't grow us externally. It grows us internally. And the internal growth, Lord, we know this, the internal growth is forever. We know that it's not something that'll go with the, with, with the wind, when the waves but that we have this firm foundation when we allow ourselves to, one, be made perfect through salvation, but two, but two, Lord, be sanctified from the moment of salvation until we meet Jesus face to face. God, let us embrace the fact that we are not perfect, but that you call us because of your, your desire for us to live a fulfilled life. You call us to make changes you call us to make decisions. You call us to do things that, um, that we need to do. And you do that because you love us so much. Lord, we love you. We give you it all today. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand up and sing our final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.